recording? Yep. Yes. Okay. Good. So we are in James chapter one, and we're going to take a, a swing at working through uh, verses uh, nine. And uh, while we won't make it all that way, I will read up through verse 18, I think, today. And, uh, and we'll hopefully get uh, at least maybe halfway through this passage. So the brother who is humble, in humble circumstances, ought to take pride in his high position. But the one who is rich should take pride in his low position, because he will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossom falls, and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God tempted me, or is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. And then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He, cho he chose to give us birth through the word of the truth that we might be a kind of firstfruits for all he created. All right, let's go back. It's interesting that in this particular passage, he talks about people who are in humble circumstances. I think one of the translations says poor. Um, in, um, uh, in Jewish understanding, especially from the Old Testament, the poor often related to the righteous. Uh, and so it was not unusual for them to, uh, to work kind of, co to, to kind of mean the same thing and be interchangeable uh, throughout much of the, the uh, especially through the Psalms. And uh, so when we're talking poor here, uh, we need to remember that uh, that God, uh, that Jesus said that blessed are those who realize that they are spiritually poor. Uh, spiritually poor is, is a person who recognizes one's need of God, and that's kind of often what they're referring to when they talk about poor, is they're talking about spiritually poor. In this particular instance, though, we're talking about people who are also, who are physically uh, poor. They don't have uh, a lot of money. And it says they should take pride in their high position, but the one who is rich should take pride in his low position. What does that mean? Okay. Seems like a dichotomy. Seems like a, a paradox. How can a guy that's rich be high? I'm not speaking drugs, by the way. And how can a person who is rich be low? I think it's based on uh, strength or character rather than money. M maybe it's uh, to where he uh, rest is hope. Okay, where he rests is hope. All right, that's good. What else? Yeah, the, uh, the NLT in verse 10 says... Uh, those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. Yeah. 
And I, I guess the way I would take that is a realization that their wealth or success is God given or God enabled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not all about them. <clears throat> Which is hard when you get a little money, that, right? When you start to be, become prosperous, it's hard to forget that you didn't do it, that it was God that did it. Uh, the attitude. Yeah. I think attitude has a lot to do with it. Those who are poor realize that in God's sight, they're rich. They're, why? Because they're children of the king. It should give you a certain amount of... I think, uh, well, my, my commentary here says uh, the poor should be glad because riches mean nothing to God. And the yeah. rich should be glad because riches mean nothing to God. <laughs> That's nice. That's good. It's good. It's a good way of putting it. Well, what's the what's the great leveler? God doesn't have respect to a person. Yeah, we are all the same in front of Him, no matter yeah. what. We can have differences here, as long as we realize the, the guiding principle that God puts in our heart. Yeah. Yeah, he, he doesn't say you cannot be uh, rich or vice versa. He says, in what, Paul expresses better, in whatever circumstance I find myself, I'm content. Mm -hmm. Not mm -hmm. happy, content. He kind of put a, even, uh, it's a kind of putting an emphasis uh, when we see people of well means, oh, they, they have everything. Well, we don't know that. But at the same time, we cannot put them down because of their status. Because we perceive, because of our situation, and, we, and that's when the doubts come, when we perceive from those situations, oh, God must love him more than me or her, mm -hmm. vice versa. And God doesn't yeah. have that purpose for our life. You know, yeah, the be whole, content. Whole, the whole aspect of, of riches is something that, that God doesn't... Uh, can anybody be richer than God? <laughs> you know, and when you start comparing our wealth, whatever amount we have or don't have, wh whatever we think we have, compare that to the wealth of God who creates everything, who is who is the the creator and basically sustainer and, oh, I don't know, owner, if you will, of everything. Uh, only if sin is a commodity. Ah, yeah, yeah. James talks about the fact that trials, when you're in the midst of trials, uh, that the, all the superficial distinctions that separate the rich from the poor kind of disappear. It doesn't matter how rich you are when you're going through a trial. God puts you into a time of testing. He's doing it to help you grow. If it's a temptation, it's, it's a temptation to sin. So it doesn't matter whatever, it doesn't matter how rich you are or how poor you are. You know, uh, Jesus was offered the wealth of the world if you would just simply bow down and worship Satan. Didn't work too, out too well for Satan, by the way. Continues to... Yeah, you know, I, I always I always think of I always think of Satan when in the midst of those uh, those trials that 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 he put Jesus through, 
you know, remember Snidely Whiplash? You know, the guy with the handlebar <laughs> mustache? I always think of him like that, you know, twisting his mustache. You know, oh, I got him now, you know. He's gonna, and, 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 and Jesus just kind of smiles and says, no, it's not going to happen, you know. We, it talks about how the, the, the uh, rich are uh, like the grass, and when the sun comes up, or like a wildflower, and when the sun comes up, it scorches them. The, the, the term there about scorching heat uh, is the same term that is used in other languages to distinguish a Sirocco wind. Uh, Giuseppe, you ever get Sirocco's on, on Sicily? Sirocco wind, which is uh, coming this week overseas. Yeah. Where does it come from? Africa. Yeah. I, I, I was, it's, I was, it's changing the landscape in, in a matter of days. I was there uh, uh, several, I don't know, several years ago, and uh, Giuseppe pointed out the 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 sky. He said, "Look at the look at the color of the sky." I go, "Yeah." He says, "That's a sandstorm, it's a Sirocco that's coming over from the Sahara." Yeah. I'm going. You got to be kidding me! Didn't you know that that kind of things don't even cross my don't cross our minds here. But that kind of in the in the Middle East, that kind of wind will, and 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 uh, uh, sun will just uh, down and destroy, uh, you know, delicate wildflowers. You know, they just won't last. And and he's trying to tell us that that's the possibility of what's going to happen uh, when we're in the midst of this. That that we will have we will wither and and uh, and the blossom will fade and its beauty will be destroyed in the same way. A rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. Now, all of those things are, are based upon the fact that there are tests that are involved. Notice in verse 12, it says, hey, we made it. Look at there. We've made it three verses. That should be a record. We're going into verse, verse 4. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So what is the crown of life? What does it mean? Why is it important? Well, I think James says one thing he says is that uh, outlook determines uh, uh, outcome. And, you know, do we look forward to this? Are we a believer's rewarded during and by enduring trials? How, he's rewarded because he grows in, Christ, in Christian character. And we're told to have a faithful and joy a joyful attitude when we face trials why because usually when i go into a trial it's kicking and screaming you know i'm like the little kid that that shuffles his feet it's because what it does to our faith because of what it does to our faith yeah i, I was going to ask tama actually before <laughs> end this um I know it's maybe it's a, not a good question. I don't uh, not a good question. You know what really <laughs> is going on in you during this uh, testing, temptation. It's a test. I understand what I'm saying is uh, sometimes we give in when uh, when we found ourselves in circumstances that. Uh, we have seen other people in it and the way we respond in it. I'm being encouraged when I see a smile 
that I'm growing. I'm, that's the, the main thing that has given me encouragement in this by Tom. And I was thinking, um, how you how you know that there is a blessing in this at the same time, you know? Because this is a, a spiritual, even in a temporal time that we have, uh, then we, when we go through the so-called trials, so-called temptation, whatever they might be. And uh, I've been, uh, I did already went through James, but in a more faster version, but it's okay. So, and I've been doing the study in, in Romans and with, well, a lot of reference in Timothy, you know, to be an approved work, workman for the Lord and so on and so forth. Uh, um, why, don't give, why, don't we give, why don't we give Tom a chance to answer your question if he feels in, so inclined? Well, I feel <clears throat> I'm not the only one that's going through trials. I mean, I, I, I think of Mike mm -hmm. and the trial that he's going sure. through with Matthew. Mike, and, you know, I mean, he can speak to this as well. I mean, it's, and I, and, and I've heard it when Mike talks about it. I mean, he, you, can, you can see his faith and you can see how strong it is. Yeah. Even, even when he, you know, he doesn't have any answers and uh, waiting on God's will and, and uh, you don't have, and, and Rick's going through that right now. I mean, uh, you know, it, it is, it, it's a trial, but you, you need to think about you know, that God is with us in our trials and his rod and his staff comforts us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. And, you know, I feel, you know, closer in my relationship with God than I've ever felt in my life. And I did going into this. And I think that when you think back on what God has done for you in your life and when he's been with us and the people that he's put in, in, in our lives to help us and, and prepare us for the trial before we even enter the trial. And it, it does uh, it produces perseverance and it, and it does mature our faith. There's no question about it. That doesn't mean that, that I bet Tom has not had a few uh, times of uh, uh, the, the dark soul of the night. You know, he's, got, he's journaling and, and I'm sure that if, if he were to, he wouldn't want us to read all of his, his private journals because I'm sure that there are some times when you kind of cry out to God and say, you know, what's going on? But that doesn't mean at the end of the of that time, he doesn't come back and say, but yet I, he's what he's at least putting in front of us is saying, but yet I trust him. Yeah. And that's the whole issue. Do you trust God? Yeah. Can you trust him for whatever it is that you're going through? Well, the best part I like the verse, it's the number one word there when he starts blessed. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. Uh, 20 years or so ago, I visited the, the wife of a good friend of mine, uh, a Beaumont, a Royal Oak, 36 years old with cancer. And you know, when you are uh, in a state of uh, steadfastness, you know, I'm gonna go there and I'm gonna encourage her because I was, I was feeling to do that. You know, I'm well, she's not. So I went there, we talked a little bit, 
I went there because I have the chaplain card, that's why. Otherwise, they would never allow me. And then I end up visiting some people from uh, uh, Troy Baptist Church, Woodside. So at the end, I, I prayed. By the way, she encouraged me more me than encouraging her in all this uh, occasion. And we finished, and there's somebody standing inside the room, a nurse that's crying. And I, I said, I suddenly realized all of this was all for the nurse. Mm -hmm. I said, look at that. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, th that's the thing that encourages me. Whatever the situation I'm in, as long as I'm connected to the vine, I am blessed. Okay, so we talk about being blessed, and we talk about the fact that uh, we're facing trials, and we're told to have a joyful attitude in the midst of it. Why? Because God loves us, and if he loves us, he will not harm us. And uh, because he loves us, he shares his truth with us, and we love him in return. What the, one of the truths here is that it says, blessed is the man who perseveres under the trial. Notice it says under. The idea there is to stick to the trial. Don't ask God. Here's what normally happens. We get a trial and we go, oh, Lord, would you take this away? Would you remove this issue? I, I, I don't want to have to go through it. You know, it, it's going to be more than I can bear. And Jesus, and God says, I want you to go through the trial. I want you to stay under the trial. I want you to learn everything you can from this trial because this is a test. This is done to bring about a particular aspect in your life to help you mature. And by the way, if you do this, if you do this, you're going to receive a crown of life. Now, what's a crown of life? Life after. It, I'm sorry? Life after. Life after, okay. Heaven, yeah, heaven. And we're going to take just a, we're going to take a bit of a side, a side step here. And if for anybody, did anybody look at the, the email I sent you early this morning? No show of hands. Okay, that's fine. That's all right. Because I noticed you said something about rewards. So I was wondering if you had, you were the one in the, uh, <laughs> that shopped at Novi, but I didn't think so. No, 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 I didn't. Uh, I wish I had. That would have been great. Maybe I wish I hadn't, because if I had, maybe I would have forgotten God. I've had my bout a couple of times with having a, a lot of wealth, and I didn't handle it too well, at least the one time, for sure. Um, it's, a, it's a big group. Don't worry about it, Val. Oh, well, okay. All right. Well, I'm just telling you, I, I, I wasn't real good at it. So what I, what I want to let you know is that throughout Scripture, throughout the New Testament, we are told that we will receive rewards for certain things that we do. And I don't know about you, but I, I'm always the, one of those guys that's really questions, I'd be kind of cool to have a crown, man. What would I do with it? And what would it look like? And how many crowns can I get? And how many crowns can I wear at the same time? Just asking, because, you know, it'd be mm -hmm. kind of cool to, to have them all stacked up. Or So I started thinking about this. And I, a while ago, I, we'd, I've gone, this, this isn't like the first time I did this, but this is the first time I've, what I did is I put together a, 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 a list, a sheet, 
and you'll get this. And it shows you there are five major crowns that are they're mentioned in Scripture. Sometimes they have different names. I give you the references for each of them, and I also give you um, a description or a reason why for, why the reward. So if my camera works correctly, we'll see. I can't tell if it's doing it or not. It didn't. What? Don't you love it when technology doesn't work? All the time in my house. There it is. So let me put this on speaker view for you. All right. So what we have here is a crown of life. It's referred to in James, also Revelation, and uh, in two different places. It speaks primarily of perseverance. It's, uh, it's awarded to those who persevere under trial, tests, temptations, even unto death. Sometimes it's known as the victor's crown. It's also been called the martyr's crown from time to time. And that's, again, in, in James chapter 1, the passage we were talking about, and then found in Revelation as well. Next crown that, that I have listed is called the incorruptible crown. Uh, depending upon your translation, it could also be called the imperishable crown. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25, and it's awarded for those who practice self-denial and perseverance. This is the one where Paul speaks about that he's the... Uh, you know, like a boxer, and he's and he's going to endure, and he's and he's going to put himself through. He's, he's in training, uh, both running and boxing, and so he wants to uh, uh, s practice self denial and uh, to beat my body into subjection. He's talking about another one is called the crown of righteousness. It's found in Second Timothy chapter four, and it's for those who anticipate the return of Christ and those who desire intimacy with Christ. So the idea is that uh, do you long for God? Uh, is that what you're looking for? Or are you saying, you know what, God, you can, you can take your time. You don't need to get back to me real fast. I'm okay the way I am right now. I don't mind you coming. Just don't come right now. Um, that can be a, a, a bit of a problem for some of us. Sometimes we don't mind God coming. We just don't want him to interrupt our plans. Why don't you come when it's, when it's convenient for me, God? And don't expect a crown if that's your attitude. But are you longing for God? If so, God promises a crown of righteousness. A crown of rejoicing is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19, and also Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. And it's called a variety of things. It's called a crown of rejoicing, a crown of exaltation in some uh, denominations, crown of auxiliary. But you could just simply say it's the soul winner's crown. Are you uh, helping to bring people into the kingdom? Are you engaging in evangelism? Are you witnessing? Are you sharing your faith? Are, you know, and as such, um, you can earn the crown of rejoicing. The last crown is called the crown of glory. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 4. It's awarded to those who are faithful in their service for God, whether it's shepherds, primarily in this particular passage, uh, Peter is speaking to shepherds, elders, deacons, workers of the church who are unselfish in their love for the flock, and they also set good examples for them. And the end of that is that you can receive this crown if you're that. You, by the way, you don't have to be a pastor. You can be a, a, a worker in the church, but you're doing so because you're, you're showing unselfish love for the flock of God, and you're setting a good example for them. Now, 
don't know about you, but if I were you, I'd be wondering, well, what do I, after I got all this pile of crowns, or maybe I only have one, if I at least I hope, hopefully I'll have one, what do I do with them? Give it. Give it to the Lord. Give it to the Lord. All right, let's take a look at Revelation, if you want to turn, turn your Bible. It's Revelation chapter 4. Uh, verses 10 and 11. I'm going to be reading from the ESV because I happen to like that particular translation. The NIV uses the word lay your crowns down. In this particular passage, it talks about casting your crowns. So in Revelation chapter 4 and verses 10 and 11, the, four and the, the 24 elders that are mentioned there are pictured as though they're the church. That, that's the picture of the church and represented by 24 elders. Uh, by the way, just think about this for a second. How many tribes were there in the nation of Israel? It's about twelve. 12. So there's twice the tw tribes. What would that include? Oh, I don't know. Maybe the Gentiles. Just throwing it out there for your consideration. The picture is a blend of both Jew and Gentile together before God, one unit, and they fall down, it says, the, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. Who are they referring to? Uh, Jesus and God. And they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. It's referring to Christ. So the, the, the goal of having crowns, oh, I don't know, singular purpose to bring honor and glory to, to God the Father, God the Son. And we get to take our crowns. There's, there's a, a song, it's probably 10, 15 years old. It, it's talking about, that um, um, I lay my crowns at the feet of Jesus? Um and, and we, we do it because of his mercy and grace that he gives to us. We extend to him. We bow our knees to him. And we lay hey, our crowns at his feet. Yeah. Al, a uh, question uh, on your chart. Yeah. Uh, crown of rejoicing. What is that in the third column? I can't read it. All the way over here? Yes, that one. Soul winning. Soul winning. Okay. Winning. Sorry. Yeah. I, by the way, this is all in, in the chart that I sent you guys. Oh, I just uh, this is just a small. I tried to put it all into a quick quick uh, re reference there. You know, Val. You know, I, yeah. I looked at Philippians four one, and you know that's yeah. under this crown of rejoicing again, and you know it, it talks about the crown, but I what I was drawn to is when you look at Philippians four four. Mm -hmm which is very James-like. <laughs> yeah. Because what, it's, what it says is rejoice in the Lord always. Wise. Yeah. Not sometimes, but always, just like the beginning. Not when it's convenient, days. not when you want to, but always. Not huh. when you're in a trial. Yeah. But they're, they're saying always. And, and Philippians has become such a cornerstone for me four, six, and seven about, you know, not being anxious about anything. Yeah. And when, you, when you go through trials that, I mean, your anxiety level cannot help but go up. I mean, you could hear it in, in 
you know, when, when Rick was speaking to us this morning, I mean, you're very anxious. You don't know, you know, I, I, I went, you know, I, I experienced that as well, but, but I, I felt a conviction that God was telling me, you know, this is going to work out the way I want it to work out. Mm -hmm. And you just have to trust that that whatever that plan is, whatever that purpose is, is, is for God's uh, kingdom and uh, to bring you closer to him. Yeah. I think yeah. that has to do with one another thing. This doesn't say the believer doesn't have the external life. I think it has to do with, uh, you know those words, old fast, old yeah. and fast. Yeah. During the, this uh, temptation, you know what temptation, if it stays, what, what can produce, right? Sin. You know, uh, testing, it's a different thing. You know, God always tests us. That's why we have to hold fast to our faith that we professed one day, and Paul talks about that, uh, in order yep. that the, the believer is totally formed for the day of redemption. You know, he doesn't say he doesn't have a redemption, but during uh, the travel, you're going to go through this. And it's implying, he said, uh, you know, you're going to go through this, but there's a blessing. Uh, mm -hmm. In this temporary affliction, what a good there is in it, you know. That's temporary. Well, here's the here's the thing that we talk about that that we talk about the word blessed and in in Jewish wisdom tradition, this concept is both a present and a future tense in its application. So we're to be we are to be considered blessed when we're in the midst of it, and blessed when we get out of it. Uh, the reward is a crown. By the way, crown in the in the Greek is Stephanos, which is and also in, in Italian, right? Stephanos, right? Yeah. What does that mean? It means crown. So and who got who got the crown? Stephen in the Bible. Yeah, well, he's probably the first to get the crown. He certainly got the martyr's crown. Yeah, right. being the first. Yeah. Absolutely. It was a it was considered a it's considered a mark of honor. It was considered an idea the, the idea was that God has promised that he would give it to those who love him. Crown of life. That's a great crown, man. It's, but you gotta you gotta be person you wanna stay in the midst. Think of it like this. In the we talk about uh uh being refined by God in the in the old testament in Proverbs it talks about even though I'm refined like silver. Uh, you, you want to test the purity of, of who you are. And we're refer, we, it's referred to us as purity. It's the idea of, in the old, in the old way that you would purify gold and silver is you'd throw a, a mess of it in, into a pot, you'd turn the fire up in a kiln, and you'd, you'd melt it all down. Now, the gold liquefies, the silver liquefies, and it goes to the bottom. The dross, the impurities rise to the top. You have to heated up pretty hot for that to happen. Once it happens, you can start taking off the dross. You skim it off the top, if you will. And by doing that, you purify the gold. Now, there are ways today that we purify gold and silver that's even more 
exact, but in the old days, what they would do is once you thought you had it purified enough, you could tell how pure, if it was pure or not, whether or not it reflected the goldsmith or the silversmith when he looked into this liquid pot of precious metal. He looked into silver. Did he see his reflection? If he did, it meant that the, the, the gold or the silver had been fairly well refined. That's what God wants to do in us. He puts us through the trial, stay in it, stay under it, realize the result is that you're going to be more like Christ and you're done. And the way that God's going to know whether you're not or you're done is how much do you look like Christ when you are in the midst of this? I think James was well aware of Job. Oh, yeah. In this passage. Yeah. 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 In, he didn't waver from his faith to, to God. No, you know, no, he didn't. Even though he had a whole lot of people telling him he should. Even his wife. His wife. <laughs> First God and died. Be a whole lot better than what you're going through. Or his friends tell him, you must have done something wrong because God wouldn't be putting you through this if you hadn't been <clears throat> a big sinner. You were sinning secretly and didn't bother to tell us. All right. Oh. So we continue on that when temptation, when tempted, and again, this is the aspect of trials or tests uh, are from the outside. When trials are, are on the inside, we call them temptations. Uh, and it says that uh, the second aspect of the trials, the temptation is what, he's gonna, what we're going to deal with here. And um, why did, here's the, I guess the question is, why is he connected to, what, you know, 12 kind of is the connection, the bridge between the first part tests and then the second part temptations. And I think he connected them because there's a relationship within them. If you're not careful, testings on the outside can become temptations on the inside. Uh, when our circumstances are difficult, we find ourselves sometimes complaining not only to God, but against God. I said against God. It's one thing to complain to him. It's another thing to complain against him. You start questioning his love. You, you start resisting his will. You start going, yeah, I got a better plan. and It's not yours, God. I'm going to, you know, this is just too much. And when that happens, Satan often provides us an opportunity to escape the difficulty, to do the opposite of what it says in verse 12, to not stay under the, the test, to not stay under the trial, to not endure it to the end. Can you imagine if you were a, a, a pot? Giuseppe, you and I, I think we're, I don't think the rest of the guys were with us that, that year. Uh, we were in uh, uh, Sicily and we were, I was speaking at this one church and we talked about uh, the, the pottery, uh, and we talked about the potter uh, who would throw a pot, and the whole process of throwing a pot, and part of the time you sit it on the shelf, and then part of the time you fire it in a kiln, and you fire it in a kiln, it gets hot. And boy, if you don't fire it all the way through, that pot will not withstand the usage after you take it out. You've got to fire it long enough so that it becomes pottery instead of just clay. Right. And, and, and if you don't, if you take it out too soon, it'll crack and it won't be worth anything. 
I don't think this verse necessarily means, though, that you should not try to improve or get out of your adverse circumstances. No, I didn't say that. I said, but right. stay under the, 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 the test that God allows you. Think about in, um, um, oh, I, I always get confused as which, uh, which uh, I think it's in second. No, I think it's in first. I don't know. It's in one of them. It's either in first Corinthians or second Corinthians. I think it's second Corinthians. It talks about the fact that when we go through trials, that God provides a way for us to quote unquote escape. In other words, it's like a safety valve. You need to know when, uh, you know, when you are willing to cry uncle and get out from underneath it, does not mean that God's ready for you to get out from underneath it. And of course, I can't find another passage. Someone want to find it for me? Uh, it's 1 Corinthians. Uh, First Corinthians? 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There it is. That's it. Thank you, sir. Verse Corinthians 10. It would help if I got to chapter 10. And verse 13. Yep. There's no temptation taken and sees you except that which is common to God, common to man. But God is faithful and will not allow you to be tempted beyond which you are able to bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way so that you can stand up under it. That's in the, in the uh, NIV. In the King James, you'll escape. The idea is that there are times when we go through trials. You're right, Gary. We shouldn't try to get through the trial. You don't stand or you don't, you're, you don't become uh, a masochist and go through the trial for the sake of the trial, but you go through the trial for the sake of whatever it is that God's going to teach you in the midst of the trial. And it's hard because sometimes you're done long before God is, and God says, no, 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 you can go a little longer. Don't worry about it. It's okay. Trust me. I know it's like being put in a uh, – you know, in a pressure cooker, you know, you've got to, you got to bring it up to pressure and you got to keep it, the pressure on for a period of time. And then after that, when you have to turn off the heat, you have to allow the pressure to go down before you can open it up. If you don't, you make a mess. Be like trying to open up for those of us who, who uh, have worked on cars and, and tried to put antifreeze in a car. When your car gets too hot and you try to open up, radiator cap what happens it goes everywhere it's not a good experience that's what happens if you don't allow the pressure to go down so you have to go through the trial in order to come out of it now god says that there's a top possibility that not only can you go through a trial but you can also go through a temptation you know israel wandered in the wilderness and 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 god would tempt them and inevitably they would fail the test it really wasn't a temptation. He would, he, would, he would test them, and they would fail the test, and it would become a temptation, and they would go into sin. Remember the issue with the, uh, uh, the, the water? It was brackish. It was bad. And, they're, you know, you brought us out here in the wilderness to die. I can't believe it. How could you do that? Why didn't you just leave me in Israel and Egypt? It was a whole lot better. And they sinned. Didn't trust God. God can bring him through the Red Sea, but he can't get. He can't provide fresh water. Really? <laughs> Think about that. 
And often we see this great, you ever notice that you, you, you have a great win in your life and the next thing that happens is you fail? Because you go, I did it, I did it, I'm so good, look at that man, I did it, I, I survived, I can do this, look what I can do, and then I'm done. I fall down flat on my face the next time. Tom, you, yeah, I see you. Sideways, sideways note, but you mentioned this about the water in the desert. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was just reading that this morning. I was, I was in, in Numbers and, and uh, the waters of Meribah. So yeah. what was God told Moses to take the staff and go to the rock and water would come out of it? Moses then went and struck the rock two times. Is that yep. what he did that was wrong? For Moses, yeah. yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, he's in, in his anger, he strikes the rock. Um, Instead of just going to the rock and saying, you know, let yeah. the water flow. Yep. Okay. Yep. In, in the New Testament, by the way, to, to continue down your rabbit trail, thanks for, for bringing this to my mind. Uh, I think it's in Corinthians. It speaks about the fact that uh, the, the rock followed them uh, throughout the rest of their journey and provided the implication is there that it provided fresh water the rest of the time. Can you imagine hauling this rock around and it you know, <laughs> creates a, a pool of water for you whenever you need it? You know, almost like Elijah's oil, you know? The rod was the testimony of God. The rod or the rock? The rod. The rod. The rod well, was the testimony of God. The rock was is is you know, a direct that, reference of who to whom? To Christ. To Christ. And, and that's what we do have in us. And thinking about the the vases and the ceramic. Yeah. yeah. Remember, once the vase is done and put through the kiln. Yeah, he doesn't need. Now they put the names sometime on the outside. Yeah, but often it has this. Inside, yeah, inside there is the the thumbprint of the one that modeled that. Yep. The authorship, and that goes forever until it's broken naturally. Yep. And it's thrown away. So. Yeah, there is a sense of ownership that a that a, a potter has because when they. When they uh, they'll often it'll often carry their 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 handprint their fingerprints their thumbprint on on a a piece of pottery. All right. So God cannot be the reason why temptations don't come from God is because God can't be tempted by evil. If he cannot be successfully tempted, it's because he's omnipotent and holy and will fully resist any invitation that comes his way towards evil. Uh, In him, there is not even the slightest bit of moral depravity to which the temptation could appeal. So it's therefore, it's inconsistent to think that God could be the author of temptation. It would also be inconsistent to think that God could be the author of evil For for all the same reasons. I know we're talking about apologetics here a little bit, but that, think about the implications of that. Now, it is interesting that uh, 
in the Jewish texts, uh, they distinguish between God's motives in testing people in love to see to, to ultimately for their good and Satan's motives in testing them to make them fall. Uh, he, Satan is called, one of the terms he's called is the tempter, is a, is a description of him. Now, in, in this instance, um, Paul indicates that there is a, 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 an indirect role that Satan has, but he emphasizes here specifically that there is a, a human element, element in, in uh, falling to temptation. Um, notice he, he uses the, the idea of, uh, of desires. Let me go back to uh, the passage here because this is kind of interesting. Um, so God cannot be tempted with evil for uh, God cannot be tempted with evil and, and nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when his own evil desire, by his own evil desire, and he's dragged away and enticed. By the way, in the, in the in the uh, the Greek there, that word for enticed, think of it like you're baiting a hook or setting a trap. You, you've got to do something to entice them. You know, have you ever had a, I used to have a, a problem getting my dog at times to respond. You know, if, if he got loose, you couldn't get him back. So what would you do? I'd entice him with a treat. Hey, you want a milk bone? His ears would go up, you know, and he'd turn around and stop wherever he's at. He'd, go, he'd come running back to me. Why? Because I offered him something he wanted. When we're tempted, when we're tested, when we're, we're tempted by our desires, we see something. Go, oh, I got to have that. That looks good. And Satan uses it. So he just tempted it, just put, baited the hook just enough so that we swallow it. Nope. Don't you think, uh, I mean, when I, when I look at James, I mean, it starts out talking about trials. It seems like when you get to verse 12, we're really talking about temptations in something Possibly. totally different. It, it can still be, a, it can be trial-like, but the temptations are uh, things that, that we take an active role in as opposed to a trial, which could be something that like an illness or something like that. Well, trial could be the loss of a job, you know, right. economic mm -hmm. uh, insecurity, um, you know, uh, someone on the out, someone else doing something that creates a, a problem for us. It causes us a, uh, a problem with our faith. We we're, te we're tempted to, we're tested to, uh, you know, can I, can I be faithful in the midst of this faithful to God? Um, yeah. And it's easy I for, for, for a test to become a temptation. Maybe I can give a hand to God, make my life better. Well, yeah, because it's always worked out so well for me in the past. Every time I've tried to, to, to help yeah, God but out. It's not so difficult, you know. I just uh, want my care. life to be better. Yeah. Uh, then what? Know, that, uh, better than what? Better than what I have right now, man. Come on. Yeah, okay. So then we see stuff like, you know, Tom, you see Tom go through, and I don't want my life, I don't need to be better than, than Tom. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Your, your, I don't. your path, your path will be different than Tom's. I'll guarantee. You. I know it will be, but my, my, we see him. You see, you know, we see people that. I mean, uh, we see people that need money. They ask for money, and you give it to them. Are they worse off than me, or better off than me? Does it matter? Mm. You know. Yeah. They kind of. I mean, it, God speaks to your heart, and you and you you stop and give them money or the Holy Spirit, or through your kids, or however it happens, but it reminds me that, that <laughs> I don't live in the poor country, and I don't, I'm not the richest person on the street, but I'm way better off than a lot of other people, and every time God introduces me to somebody that's worse off than me, it reminds me that <laughs> you don't have any kind of trial, mm -hmm. that you can't survive, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. strength and it, I think the funny part about trial is the only time I mess up a trial is when I try to do it yeah that, that <laughs> seems to be true for me too well we'll look into this a little further next week we'll flesh it out just a little more and we'll keep going maybe we'll get all the way through 18 I don't know I think we will we made, we made good progress today <clears throat> I think it's uh, in in whatever situation we find ourselves, hold fast to what you have received because it will keep it. That's in the song, right? Also, till the end. I'm just uh, giddy this morning because uh, I received a couple messages from Mario, the bar owner. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's opening a little bit. And I said, look at that, even 6,000 kilometers away, this friendship is growing and it's opening more to the word of God. Good. Praise the uh, Lord. You know, we, th we think that we need to, to do who knows what, which actually we should because that's what he promised you, you will do greater things that I ever did. You know, just be faithful to God. Keep on doing it. He didn't say it's going to be easy, you know, and we've seen it. You know, I'm stuck here. My mom passed away. Other people's moms passed away. Uh, a young lady in Pennsylvania just lost her grandma. Uh, it's Kayla that uh, would like to go and serve overseas. So my neighbor... You know, um, in the midst of trials, remember this, gentlemen. We right. need to we need to stay under the trial. Don't ask God to release us until we've learned whatever the test is. Right. That God wants us to to learn, because if you do, by the way, by the way, you ever notice that, that Satan's idea is to test, is to tempt us. The idea is to provide a way of escape that's cheating. What happens when you cheat on a test? You get to take it again. Yeah. Isn't, isn't, the, isn't the ultimate that God is looking for in, this tri in the trial is for you to totally place your trust in him? Yes, you're absolutely 100% correct. And remember, the, the, the issue is faith is a noun. There is no verb for faith. The verb form of it in the Greek is the word we use, trust. 
because that's an action. It's a verb. So God wants us to trust him, which proves our faith. Yeah. Yeah, and, and too often uh, I, I fail when it comes to trusting him. I, well, have I, don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, praying for your trial to end, whether it's a no, sickness no. or unemployment. Oh. Ask God to remove it if possible. I mean, Paul, Jesus Paul asked the same thing. Paul asked three times to have a, a thorn in his flesh removed. Yeah. By the way, three times is just significant only because, you know, in, in biblical numerology, three refers to God. But just saying. But whatever the outcome is there, it's like uh, Tom was just saying, maintain your trust yep. in him yep. that he has your best interest at heart. And at the end of, at the, end of, the, of, the, of that time, remember what, is, what Jesus says in the garden? If there's any way possible, take it away. But, yeah, exactly, your will be done. And I think that's the way you pray, Lord. Yeah, when, I, I'm getting to the end. I, I need I need some I need some relief. I need help. I need to get out of this. Whatever. Uh, but nevertheless, and that's the hard part. Not my will, but yours be done. Yeah. And when we pray, already we are getting out of it because we are connected to the Father. And remember, what God asks for us to do is to pray for not to get out of it. What's he say in verse, was it verse? Uh, verse uh, what, five. What's, what's the prayer request? Not to get out of the trial, but to get wisdom. That's the whole aspect of what he's, too often, I'm at looking for how to get out of the trial. And God said, no, no, I want you to learn wisdom so you know what to do in the midst of the trial. I think uh, every time you get out of the trial, you're going to have to repeat it, won't you? Yeah, yeah. And trust me, it, it, it stinks having to do it again. It is not, is not one of my favorite things to take remedial faith well, again. And God wants you to complete the trial. I mean, he wants you to get through it. So oh, yeah. realistically, you just, and I guess the easiest way to, to stop it is to acknowledge him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to acknowledge him and to say, okay, do, what you, do it your way. Well, then it's yeah. no longer a trial, right? Because you're not, you, I feel like it, trials are, are scary because I'm going to fail. Well, the reality is if I fail, then he's going to make me do it again. So and the, the way to pass is to, to believe in him. So, hello, that's an easy answer. It is cheating, you know? It's, well, it's, it's cheating when we, look, when, we allow the, when we allow to take shortcuts the way that, that the devil wants us to do things. The problem oh, is yeah. That. Well, I was going to say the shortcut is just believe in Christ. I mean, that's the shortcut, right, for the trial? Uh, <laughs> it's I hard. Guess. I didn't say yeah, it was easy. Yeah. I just know that, you know, that, you know, like as an example, if you're in the midst of a bad situation financially and, and someone comes to you with an offer that is shady or is just downright illegal, you're tempted to, you're tested to take it, think right? About it. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah. But if you turn well, it down, you've passed the test. That's. See <laughs> yeah. you guys later. You, I, take care. Yeah. Yeah. I get, I get stuck in, it, does turning left or right bring glory to God? 
Yeah, yeah. You, there are you know what I mean? In that particular instance, I'm going to end our our recording here because we're going yep, – well, right. no, I'll just keep it going for a minute. Let me just ask – let me just mention this. When you look at all of the – you look at the principles God has taught you in, your, in his word, and you apply for that, and you apply that to your life, and you come to a situation is, do I buy the red car or the blue car? Well, if God doesn't speak to you and tell you, oh, buy the red car, then I think that, that God gives you the, the freedom to say, well, everything being equal, take whichever color you like. It doesn't matter. It's the same way with, with jobs. Are, you know, if you're offered a, a, a job that's, is it a job that would be good for you? You know, will it help you? Not, not just financially, but what, what is it, does it take you away from your family? Is that good or bad? Maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad. Will it cause you to have to miss fellowship with other believers? Well, you know, maybe that's not a good, maybe that's not a good thing to do. Maybe you need to not do it. You look at all the principles that you have from God's word and you apply them to your situation. If there's no clear answer, then what I always do is I always go, all right, God, I don't know which one is right, but I'm going to choose red. And if it's wrong, close the door and I'll take, I'll be happy with the blue. Okay. I do that with job. I've done that with job situations. And I, when, uh, sometimes I wonder what would happen if you had taken another job versus the one you took or taken one position versus another position. I don't know. But you're right. There is a sense, Edwin, that um, we don't have it. Sometimes we're not told what we have to choose. That's the path we choose will ultimately help us because God will use it. <laughs> yeah. And on that note, we'll end the recording.